Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Look at your neighbor, tell him how glad you are to see him in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. It's good to be in God's house here this evening. Uh, Brother Alex Mason was doing some things here this afternoon, just real briefly, and I, I told him, I said I was going to preach on the rams in the thicket this evening. It, that only means some of the people that's rams or patriot fans for the Super Bowl, but I'm not preaching that. If I had time and God would be in it, maybe, but... Uh, I even looked at this week about ram skins dyed red in the scripture and thought if I could find just something very applicable for the church from that. There are some things, but again, I had to search my heart for the right purpose in doing it. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter number 12. This has no Super Bowl connotations whatsoever, but hopefully it has a connotation for our personal lives. Amen tonight. Genesis 12. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 10. Verse number 10. Amen. The Bible states these words. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt. That he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake. and My soul shall live because of thee. It came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen. And he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels. Now it'll take me just a little while this morning to get tonight to get to my text. Take me a little while to get to my text, but just trust me with the journey, okay? Now that doesn't mean that we got to sit along the sidelines and wait for the parade to start. It's starting right now, okay? But I want tonight to preach this to this body of people: know your season. Know your season. I'm telling you right now, I feel it's been a crazy week. I've been like on the road. I, I've traveled to I've traveled to hospitals. I've traveled to nursing homes. I've traveled to people's homes. I've called people. And it just seems like, I, you tell my wife, I felt like I just high-fiving my house. Every time I, came, I was home for a little bit, and I was gone. Just constantly like that. But the Lord brought this back to my memory of doing some Bible reading earlier in the year. And I had something scrawled in my margin, one of those things. In about three hours, God put this together. So I know this is God. 
for Paul McGee. So know your season. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you. I'm asking God, Lord Jesus, for your perfect will, God, to be done in this place here this evening. God, I pray, oh, Lord, that we could connect, Lord Jesus, with the Scripture. We could connect, Lord God, with your word. It has power to change, power to influence. I pray, oh, Lord, this evening, God, I pray, God, that people would, Lord, have an awareness, God, of the season of life, God, that they are in. God, individually, collectively, Father, as a church, I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, open our minds and understanding. God, and grant us, Lord Jesus, God, what you would have, Lord, for us this evening in this place. God, and we will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for being thoughtful enough of us, God, that you would speak to us. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Now, I had no forethought speaking to you about this this evening concerning all of the dynamics of our weather okay that did not even come into play but it is applicable amen for us tonight how many know here this evening that life is made up of seasons not every season that we face in our literal life or within our life in a figurative sense not every season is the same nor are they all given equal lengths of time. We can learn from uh, the natural life concerning even our spiritual life. Not all winters are as long as other winters. Not all summer seasons are given the same equal length of time. Not every season, perhaps, you know, is three months apiece and then it's over. And so there's some seasons in life that seem to last longer in the moment than they do in reality. Just because it's that type of season. You know, whenever problems are happening, those type of seasons come. In the moment, they seem like the longest season. Just because it's just that type of season. It's problems, it's circumstances, things that overwhelm us and try our patience. But in reality, they are not necessarily as long as they may seem in the moment. As a matter of fact, you may find yourself in a particular season hoping for another season to come outside of the one that you're presently in Have you ever found yourself in a season of life just longing for the season to change longing for that to pass and something new to come upon the horizon I've been there I know several of you have perhaps been there just you know with a eye of anticipation hoping the wind will blow in another direction or the temperature in a figurative sense will raise a little bit in life and not be so cold and uncomfortable but what I've come to understand and even the Bible propagates is this every season has a purpose. Whether you term that a good season, a bad season, a season of heartache, or a season of wealth and gain, every season has a purpose. And it is important this evening that we do not neglect the purpose of our current season of life. Whatever that season may be, whatever it may be serving us, it, we must not neglect the purpose of our season. And the way that we neglect the purpose of our season sometimes is by vying for, desiring, and wanting the next season to come. We can be so caught up in the moment of wanting the next season to come that we'll miss what this season's providing. We're sometimes wanting, a, you know, a changing of the wind that we are not taking into account 
of what the wind is doing right now in the current season. And we can ignore, if you will, the purpose of the present day season right now just because we're desiring something else different than what we have. I recently read a post from a pastor friend of mine from the state of Ohio. He so happens to be a bivocational pastor, and so he pastors full-time, and he also has another full-time job. And the other full-time job that my friend has, he is also a mail carrier, has been for years, years upon years in the state of Ohio. And whenever the temperatures got very cold over the past week, uh, he was out carrying mail in Ohio. And he listed in his post of some of the coldest temps that he had ever carried mail in in his career. He said it was back in the 1990s, I think it was 94 and 95, he had carried mail whenever it was negative 25 degrees below uh, zero, negative 25 degrees, he had carried mail during that time. I, my mind is just, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, it's got to go, rain, sleet, or snow, here's, you know, the motto of the mail. And just a few days later, whenever it got warmer, he posted something to this effect. He said, I'm going to throat punch the first person to complain this summer about it being too hot. And all that says to me, Brother Fred, is this. It tells me this, that we are prone to savor whatever season we're not in or going through in the moment. Hmm. We're prone to savor another season outside of the one that we are in because many times, many of the seasons that we are not in always seem to look more appealing than the season that we're going through. Uh, whenever people are in winter, they're ready for summer. Whenever they're in summer, they're ready for winter or they're ready for spring, you know. They're, they're ready for things to blossom or they're ready for fall, you know. It needs to get cold and just, you know, kill off these bugs. And, you know, they're always wanting the other season or the next season that they're in. But again, I emphasize to you tonight, each season has a purpose. And what one season may not permit, another season may allow. Someone say hallelujah. It's important to understand that. It may not be permissible in this season, but what's not permissible here may have an allowance. But if you change seasons, what was allowed in the last season may not be permissible now. Now there's a new allowance that's there. So you got to find the purpose, find, if you will, the silver lining in every season of life. No one, I tell you, no one will be found on the popular sledding sites here around the city of Mount Carmel, attempting to go down the hills in summer and fall time. It's just not going to happen. Cars are not going to be lined up there as you come into Mount Carmel. You're not going to be you're not going to see people out there in their toboggans and, and their little whatever they got plastic boats and every other invention that people have. And they're not going to be attempting to go down the grassy knoll. Enter into Mount Carmel because that season during summer and fall for, for in particular, do not permit the sledding down the hill. But if you were to drive down over around the college area and down the public pool on any given day in the summer, you're going to find crowds of people around the edge or perhaps in the water of the city pool. In other words, what I'm trying to convey to you tonight is this. What one season denies, another season may permit. And it's important for us to find out what is permissible or even capable during our current season. 
Sometimes we get caught up in what is all denied in this season. It's like standing in wintertime and saying, well, you know what? Uh, the sun's not shining. They can't mow my grass. We start talking about everything that's denied in the season when what we need to look at is what's permissible in this season. We got to somehow come to grips with that because we'll be always vying for the next season if we don't pause and look at what is capable right now, what is permissible right now, where I'm at, what I'm going through, what is allowed in this moment. You understand what I'm saying? I'm reminded of Jesus calling and visiting the disciples, particularly those who had the vocation of being fishermen. He came to them and called to them at different times. He visited them at different times. And the Bible describes at different seasons, he found them in different ways. Sometimes he came and he found them casting their nets. Other times, whenever he approached them to have conversation, he saw them mending their nets. And still yet, at other times, the Bible says, he came upon them in a season when they were washing their nets. Now, it was important for these fishermen disciples, it was important for them to approach their nets with the season in mind. With the season in mind, they would have been mistaken to mend nets when it was time to be out on the water fishing. Casting the net when weather was well for fishing, they would have been mistaken to be mending their nets in that moment. They needed to be casting their nets in the moment because that was the permissible hour and season for casting the net. It would have been ridiculous to be washing nets that had holes gaping all through them. Seemed kind of senseless. If they never took a season of mending the net, you can have a clean net that has holes in it, and you're never going to catch fish whenever it's time to cast it. So you got to have different seasons. Seasons of casting, seasons of mending, seasons of washing. And it seems like many times, uh, whatever you do in one season prepares your doing in another season. Someone say amen. And so while mending the nets are helpful, Amen. While they're mending their nets in one season, they are hopeful for the next time they can cast the net. They just finished mending. Someone say amen. But they could not neglect their season. If they are just vying for the time, the next time they can cast their net and they ignore mending nets, it doesn't matter if the weather's the best. They don't have the tools necessary to do what needs to be done in the next season. Someone say amen. So in other words, what one season denies, we just need to take that in consideration. It's denying me this in this current situation, this current season. We need to take that in consideration. But then what we need to do is wholeheartedly do whatever that season that we're presently in permits. Because here's the fact of the matter. No one, your life, your future, your past, nothing's going to be benefited if we waste any season. I know, we, I know we want to be favorable towards some, but it's not going to benefit us. It's not going to benefit our family's future or past if we waste any season. I know that's a broad brush. Any season in our lives. Am I doing all right? Oh, God. The mandate from the book of Genesis at the very beginning for the first family after creation was this. You know this. In Genesis 1.28, it was to be fruitful. And multiply and replenish the earth. They set out to do and obey and accomplish this directive 
from the Lord. Here, Adam and Eve, they have Cain. They have Abel. They have Seth. Their family lines from those three grow and they continue forward and onward. It was only after the destruction of mankind by the flood that God delivered the same order to humanity, to the family of Noah. It's quite similar. It's found in Genesis 9-7. The voice of the Lord came after the waters have receded and the door to the ark has been opened and Noah and the straggling eight, if you will, of his family comes out of the seclusion of an ark back into the world but a different world than what they had seen when they went in. And the plea was this, be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. I can only imagine, Brother Alex Mason, how those eight souls felt as they heard those words fall upon those ears. These eight that had survived. I could almost, if, if you will, be a little ornery with it tonight and say, I could almost hear their thoughts. God, we didn't destroy it. We didn't destroy it. But now you're asking us to rebuild it? We built an ark at your command to protect those that would enter into it. But now all we have is eight souls out of all the world to show for it. And now you want us to multiply. Now you want us to replenish. Now you want us to be fruitful. It's as if though God had already set the seasons, if you will, at play in their life. They had been through a season of destruction. They had been through a season of protection. And now God was asking them to enter a season of multiply. Two years after, two years after the flood, the Bible says Shem, one of the sons of Noah, that Shem was 100 years old and he begat our facts ad. In other words, the command was to be fruitful and multiply. And evidently, if you do the math, a little over a year after the flood, conception had taken place in his wife. In so much then that two years they are given birth to a child. And so here is a grouping of people that were obedient to the voice of God. But as that generation would expand and the numbers there now upon the earth would begin to increase, there would come then a woman in the genealogy of these people by the name of Sarai. The Bible says that she is both the wife and the half-sister of Abraham. Amen. And that she was a lady that would be barren and have no child. I ask you tonight, what does a lady do with an order and a command from heaven that says be fruitful and multiply when she's barren? What do you do with a word from Lord like that whenever you can't have a child? What do you do with a command from heaven about being fruitful and multiplying when her husband has even been told already prior, amen, that God will make a great nation of you, Abraham, amen, which implies that he's going to have children, which implies he's going to have descendants, and yet his wife is in a season of barrenness, and she's being asked to give birth. Someone say amen. 
What do you do during moments of that? Because see, in this moment, in this season of Sarai's season, amen, she's being denied offspring. During the season of her life, she's being denied the capability of conception. During the season of her life, amen, she's denied. Amen, she's denied. Her and Abraham seemingly both are denied the very thing that God had promised Abraham. Someone say amen. So what are they going to do? Because she's left in a position of being unable to fulfill the command of God, of being fruitful and multiplying. No doubt, though, according to Scripture, she must have tried. She must have tried because the response was she learned she was barren. She could have no child. She could not fulfill the command of the Lord, but it didn't keep her from attempting to fulfill the command of the Lord. But the report to her was this. Sarai, in this season of your life, it's not permissible for you to have a child. I know what heaven is saying to you, but this season, it's not permissible for you. Someone say amen. I get into my text. With this knowledge, of everything that we've learned thus far in mind, let us approach what I read in your hearing this evening. The Bible speaks that Abram enters into Canaan. The Bible describes that there is a horrific famine throughout the land. It describes it as being grievous throughout the land. It's just a season, of course, but it's grievous throughout the land. And so he mentions to his wife, Sarai, he says, Sarai, we need to go down into Egypt and we need to sojourn there. We need to, we need to temporarily be there because of the famine that's in the land. Let me read in your hearing again, verses 11 through 13. And it came to pass, Genesis 12, 11, and it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee that thou art my sister. He says that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. You know what Abraham knew? Abraham knew this. Abraham knew his culture, the culture of his day. He knew the tendencies, if you will, of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He knew the dynamics of his season, and he knew the dynamics of his wife's season. He knew that Sarai was a beautiful woman. That wasn't just a husband being proud of his wife, but Scripture bears it out. She was a knockout of a lady. Amen. Pharaoh and the Egyptians thought that she was quite fair, one to look upon, one to behold, one to have. As a matter of fact, when they entered into, Egypt all the Egyptians took note of her beauty and her fairness and the Bible says even the princes of Egypt recommended if you will unto the Pharaoh of Egypt amen Sarai because she is mm -hmm, she is beautiful she is glorious. I mean, she in the eye of the beholder, and they were all beholding. She was a knockout. Amen. And, and Abram knew this. If we go into Egypt and she simply presents herself as being my wife, he says the Egyptians will see me as an obstacle to what they desire, as an obstacle to what they want, being Sarai, and they'll just kill me to get rid of the opposition. Is everybody hearing me? 
He says, but if she goes in and presents herself as my sister, which she was, his half-sister, if she goes in and presents herself as my sister, the Egyptians then are going to see me as the respected date or entry to her. They're going to see me almost like a daddy to her because many times if daddy wasn't around, the brothers were standing in the stead for the women. And if, 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 if they see me as her brother, they understand they want to get on my good side. They want to get on my good side in order to have any way with Sarai. And so the Bible says, if I go in like that, if I go in with her being as my sister, they'll respect me. They'll want to get on my good side. And rather than killing me, they'll lavish me down with asses and camels and livestock. They'll lavish me down with servants, men servants and maid servants. And I'll be allowed to live if she'll go in as my sister. Can someone say amen? And so since Sarai held this peculiar position in Abraham's life of being both his wife and his half-sister, as they are approaching Egypt, Abraham, the Bible says, to his wife. Basically this, if I can state it in a paraphrased terms. Wife, the season that we are in right now necessitates you being my sister. Because if we go into this circumstance as you being my sister, I'm going to get to live and we're going to get the bounty of Egypt upon our shoulders during this temporal stay. The Bible says that Abram kind of relates it like this. You can look at the verses of Scripture. He says unto Sarai, if you go in as my sister, it may be well with me. For thy sake. In other words, everything's going to be okay with me because of you. If you go in as my sister, my soul shall live, but it will be because of you. Furthermore, the Bible says that Pharaoh even treated Abram well for Sarai, who they knew to be his sister's sake. Can someone say amen? Well, I've said all that to say this tonight. At this point in time, as they're entering Egypt, Sarah's still barren. Sarah still can't have no child. She could do all she wanted to do to try to have a child. It was just incapable. Amen. That was something that was denied in this season of life. She didn't have the capability of giving birth to a child or a child being conceived. But as Abraham's wife, she could not birth life. But Sarah, amen, as Abraham's sister, could protect life. She was in a season of life right now. I might not be able to give birth to life, but the there's nothing denying me protecting life. I might not be able to give birth to a newborn child, but I can protect the life of Abram. Oh, someone hear what I'm saying to you tonight. You can get so tunnel vision focused on what is not permissible in the moment. You'll miss what is permissible. She says, I can't give birth to life, but I can protect life in this moment. Can someone say amen? What are you saying then? I'm saying this from this time that she couldn't give birth to a child, could not have offspring during this time. They would come through it. Sarai saying that she was Abram's sister and Abram would live as a result of Sarai. Abraham's soul would be left among the living because of his sister. Amen. They would have livestock that they would amass, servants that they would amass. Amen. Because during this season of life, rather than and concentrating on what their season denied them. They poured themselves into what it did permit for them. The, 
What I'm saying is this, this season of life that they were walking through needed a Sarai to be a sister more than to be a wife to Abraham in this moment. Abraham said, you can't have child. So enter in here as sister. So when she couldn't birth it, she protected his. Watch me now. Namely, she protected the life of the one that in Genesis 12, God promised, I'll make of you, Abraham, a great nation. As his sister... She protected his life. But in the future, as his wife in another season, she would bring forth birth from a union with a man in the previous season she protected. Somebody don't understand right here. We have some issues. Yeah, she's in a position she can't have child and she's barren. But once this season passes and she could have a child, if she don't have a husband, it's still not happening. She don't have a husband, it's still not happening. But if she got tunnel vision on the fact I can't have a child right now and miss she could be the protection for the life of her husband, she would have gotten her next season still unable to have a child, not because she couldn't conceive, but because she didn't understand the purpose of her previous season. Someone say amen. Because, <laughs> folks, there is only one virgin birth in Scripture, and that's Jesus Christ. You understand that, right? It still takes a male and a female in order to make that good thing happen. Called another life. It only happens that way. And so if Sarah went in as wife, and Abraham was killed, and there was supposed to be a promised seed that come from their, their union, it would have been cut off. Because she had mistaken the purpose of the season she was in. Someone say amen. But because Sarai did not neglect, did not neglect her season. Though no doubt it was shameful for her not to be able to have a child as a woman. It was a burden no doubt for her to bear. But because she did not neglect her season and understood it might not be child birthing time. It might not be life birthing time. It's life protecting time. As a result of understanding her purpose in her season, another season would come in the future where she would give birth along with her husband, Abram, that she had protected in the past. you got to grab this tonight because what you do in the now may be setting you up for what God wants you to do in the future. But if you don't understand the now, you might cut your own feet off of your legs for the future. To know. Everybody say no. Know your season. I'm here to tell you tonight. Look at your neighbor and tell him your season has a purpose. <laughs> Someone saying you don't know what season I'm in. Listen. Yours. Mm-hmm. Don't even have to have a spirit of discernment for that one. You just have to be related to life. Your season has a purpose. But you got to connect with the purpose of your season. And you got to understand that the purpose of this season may be a prerequisite. It may be a qualifier 
for fulfilling the purpose of your next season. Somebody hearing me? Oh. Whenever, whenever, whenever that sweet mother Hannah took that child, whenever he had just been broken from nursing Samuel into the house of God and lent him or gave him back to God, dedicated him to God, you know what she was doing in that season? Setting him up to be prophet for the next season. You understand what I'm talking about? Whenever she understood the purpose, I'm going to give him the house of God. He's going to sleep there. He's going to eat there. He's going to do whatever the priest, the man of God, tells him to do. Whenever God speaks and he's running in, amen, to Eli saying, did you call me? Call me. And whenever that man tells him, go back, saying the next time that he calls, just say, speak for that. You know what she's doing and all that? She's preparing him for when he would be the prophet and he would anoint David and he would anoint Saul. And the, oh, somebody hearing me right now. But Hannah had to understand. She was a barren woman too. God, to understand the season that you're in. Did she want a baby? Yeah. Did she want one that maybe even would be a prophet someday? Yeah. But it was all, if you will, leaning upon how she approached her current season. Farmers gather the harvest in the fall. I know that's profound. Write it down. Read it tomorrow. You understand. But they harvest in the fall because they connected with the purpose of the springtime season and sold then. That's simple. I know that's ankle deep, but that's just as deep as this really is. Since they connected with the purpose of the spring of sowing, they reap the harvest of the fall. They say, well, you know, I'd rather be fishing right now. A lot of them would. Let me finish fishing right now than being behind this wheel and, you know, going line back and forth, back and forth, planting seed out in the field, blah, 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 blah. But, folks, whenever it came harvest time, they go out there, they're going to be kicking dirt. They might have fish in the fridge, but they don't have them. You understand what I'm saying? But they have to take advantage of the season, what the purpose of the season is for. Sarai could not forsake being Abram's sister. Because she wanted to be a wife to him and bear him children. Because in reality, one actually led to the other. Being his sister allowed her to be both wife and mother in the future. Because she was aware of her season and its purpose. It's quite possible according to the word of God here in Genesis 12. That Abram is spared, quite possible according to culture. That Abram is spared because Sarai is entering Egypt using her sister aspect with Abram. Notice what even the, God, the, the, the Bible says in verse number 13, 17 it is. The Bible says that God sends plagues upon Pharaoh and his house because of the wife aspect. Of Sarai. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh even asked in verse number 18, because they learn later, she's not just his sister. She's his wife. And he asked Abram, Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Let me give you Abraham's response, although it's not there. The time didn't necessitate that. The time didn't necessitate that. He had a grip on the season. 
He knew he needed a sister in this scenario. He knew he needed a Sarai. Someone say Sarai. A Sarai in the scenario. Because the name Sarai means literally this, my princess. My princess. See, at this season in Abram's life, he needed a Sarai. He needed his own princess. Because throughout history, you can study history, I did a little bit studying of it today. Throughout history, princesses have been utilized to gain power and forge allegiances. And reality, amen, Sarai being my princess or Abram's princess was utilized in no different way here. He was able to gain power of livestock, men servants and maid servants, amen, by her. She protected. He said, I'm alive because of your sake. She protected his life. But in a little few more seasons, everything would change. The Bible says Sarai's name would change from Sarai to Sarah which means princess of the multitude or princess for all the race can I tell you this that her name was changed before she was capable of giving birth she was Sarai my princess for the season that they were in but she became Sarah the princess of all the princess of all races because God was about ready to open her womb in a new season with the same man that she's always had they had to know their season someone say amen the Bible says I won't hold you much longer check the score you're alright Genesis 21 and verse 2. Where Sarah conceived. Look at it. Genesis 21 and 2. This, this, is, this is the culmination of everything she was desiring from the beginning. This was the season she was longing for. This was the season that she wanted and desired. But not, not to the disgrace of missing the moments leading up to it. The Bible says she conceived. Sarah conceived. That princess of the multitude or that princess for all the race, she conceived and bare Abraham, his name's changed now too, a son in his old age. Look at the terminology at the set time. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. Every season, everyone say every, every season has a purpose. And it's our mission to seek out what the purpose of our present season is. Sarai was needed in this Genesis 12 season. But Sarah was needed in the future Genesis 21 season. You've got to know your season to respond and to react accordingly. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse number 1, a popular setting of Scripture, sometimes in funerals, but any time is good. It says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. What I'm saying is this, we must know our season and the purpose of our season so again that we might act or react accordingly. Listen, had Sarai been headstrong? I know there's nobody like that around here. But had Sarai been headstrong in trying to safeguard the wife 
aspect of her relationship with Abram, in this moment of Genesis 12, she would have jeopardized the very thing she was hopeful for. Because Abraham could have died. Do you understand that? She just said, well, this, I'm not giving up to this happen to you. If you're trying to work against your season, maybe you should try to work with the current of your season. It feels like I'm just swimming upstream. Well, maybe you are. Maybe that's not what's permissible in this season right now. You need to put your hand in the water and find the current and go. Someone say amen. Here's what we got to come to terms with. I think it's just real people. Just real people, real life. Here's what we need to come to terms with. Not now does not mean not forever. Not now does not always mean not forever. Our seasonal delays do not mean eternal denials. Did you hear what I just said? Our seasonal delays does not mean eternal denials. See, whenever we look New Testament scripture, here's Jesus, you know, walking through the crowd. Someone has come. Lord, my daughter has died or she's at death or at the point of death. You can read all the Gospels. It gives the different uh, Greek wording of it. One Greek word renders that she was on her way to death. Another one says she's already died. It gives three different renderings of, and nevertheless, the girl's in bad shape. Girl's in bad shape. And so he's on his way to go see Jairus' daughter. And as he's on his way there, amen, he is caught in a throng of people. And there's a lady with the issue of blood that's had it for 12 years. So happened to be the same number of years that she's had the issue of blood. Amen. That Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. She is dead or dying. And the woman with the issue has been contending with an issue for 12 years. But he's on his way and he's stopped by the throng and the crowd and this lady with the issue of blood. You know what he could in essence say to Jarius? Jarius, your daughter will rise from the dead. But the present season and moment is calling for a healing of a 12-year-old issue of blood. What are you saying? I'm saying there's seasons that call for healing and then there's other seasons that call for a resurrection. You just got to know your season. Someone say amen. You've got to know your season and what the purpose is. Ecclesiastes said it well. Let me ask you some questions. Amen. That he posed there. Is it time to plant or is it time to pluck up? Is it kill time or is it heal time? Is it break down time or is it build up time? Is it weep time or dance time? Embrace time or refrain from embracing time? Is it time to get or to lose, to rend or to sow for war or for peace? Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know your season in this life. Pastor McGee, I hear the voice of heaven replenish, be fruitful, multiply, but I'm in a season right now. It cannot happen. Let me tell you, it may not happen now. It may not happen next week. But if God's put the seed of promise over your life, there will be a season somewhere in your future where you'll be able, amen, to do what God has asked of you to do. But you got another purpose of where you are right now. If you'll stand with me. Know your season. Know your current purpose. Because if you don't, you will become frustrated. 
you will become frustrated. If you don't, in essence, you will miss a vital portion of your tomorrow by not recognizing what's in your today. You can sit here all day longing for tomorrow. But while we're longing for tomorrow, what we need to be doing is seizing the day. But that only happen if you'll take a pulse and become conscious of the season that you're in. Oh, it's bad. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.